appreciate that. But that's kind of been my heart is why I wanted to go to the book of Titus. Sometimes we take for granted as older folks. We know if you've been raised in an independent fundamental Baptist church for any length of time, you kind of know church order. And um, we take for granted sometimes our young people don't know that. And um, all they know is that's the way we've always done it. Um, well, in everything in your life, right now you're under tutors and governors, the time point of the Father. But um, you need to do, be, be operating and functioning spiritually, not because that's the way we've always done it. Right? That just won't get it. You need to know from the Bible why the, the church operates the way that it does from the Bible. Uh, not the commandments of men. I mean, it even says that here uh, in what these uh, Judaizers were bringing in. And so I, I want to help uh, just a little bit back in Titus. We're still in chapter number one. And we were dealing some uh, with uh, how to take preaching, God manifesting in verse three, uh, his word through preaching. And I got to thinking about that and I expect that of people, but I've had to do that myself. I was thinking as Brother Rains preached Friday night, he was preaching up in the meeting we were in, talking about those things that were handed down. And I just was thinking of reminiscing on uh, being and traveling all the, over the country with uh, these men and what they entrusted me with, the sound doctrine and uh, the truths of the Word of God and, and things like that that they entrusted me with. And uh, I just got to thinking of several things that uh, I've had to endure myself. One time, uh, I don't know that Brother Blue ever really one time ever said uh, too much complimentary to me as a young preacher. And I always wondered why, and I think I know why as I further I go. Uh, you have a real tendency, even the Bible says, not a novice left to be lifted up. And be in his pride and uh, those kind of things. And so he would get up there to preach and he'd say something just like, well, uh, one thing that he, I remember sticking out in my head, we were in a big meeting. Um, uh, I, there's something else that was just going through my mind that we were at Camp Zion, he said. But there's one time he said, he said, well, I've seen it all. He said, I've seen a man uh, eat like a hog with two heads. And he's talking about me. <laughs> That made me mad. Why well, didn't eat that much? Well, as you can tell, I believe I probably did back in those days, and it's caught up with me. And uh, I don't now because my diet starting tomorrow. So. But uh, but no, I, I remember one time, uh, Miss Vanessa. I remember one time, Brother Mitchell's at Calvary, and I'd just been saved not long, uh, maybe a year, a little over a year. And uh, Brother Mitchell was preaching, and he said, you better watch these men with necklaces. They, ha they might have a little lace somewhere else. You know how many men in there had a necklace on? You're looking at him. <laughs> and I thought, now I tell you what. But you know what I did? I thought, well, if that man thinks that way, if it's a stumbling block to him, I don't even know where that necklace is today. I just took it all. If that's going to keep me from preaching, I just took it all. Well, I'm just going through my mind various things. And, you know, and, and uh, um, again, you know, that wasn't, that's not anything. That's, that's just some of those little side things that uh, people do that uh, if we really wanted to dwell on them, you know, and get hurt and be offended. But uh, what we just need to do, like they sing about, is just keep our eyes on Jesus and um, just stay in the Bible. And, and I appreciate folks' opinion about uh, how to conduct my life. Most people that have done that in my life have been honestly trying to help me. 
Uh, they knew that that would be a stumbling block to others that would not let me preach um, if I was to have a necklace on. And so uh, if I was going to be used of the Lord, and I was just going to have to do some things that I just uh, maybe didn't necessarily agree with. But uh, I, I don't want anything to hinder me to be able to minister to you or to be able to minister to anybody else. And if we'll keep that spirit about us, we'll be all right. I don't want to be a stumbling block to you. Um, and I don't, you know, you should have that same kind of spirit. You don't want to be a stumbling block to me and uh, to others. And if we'll just keep that spirit and love for one another, we're going to make it all right. Love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? And, um, and so uh, thank God for the love of God in Christ. Well, I've got some others I won't bore you with. I won't get into the scriptures. But uh, uh, I've had my fair share uh, of having been uh, um, um, preached to and preached at. And uh, I assure you, I would not do that from the pulpit on purpose. I would not straighten out church business in a public forum and preach it from the pulpit like that. I'm just following the Lord and trying to just preach through here. And so just don't get in your mind, well, is he pointing at me? No, there's no telling who all is guilty of it. I might be preaching to myself. Amen. Amen. Receive it as it is in truth, the Word of God, and compare it with the Word of God. So we looked at that in verse number three. And um, uh, y'all... Uh, y'all um, Catch back up. Let's see. Where'd we end up here? Let's, let's just start in Titus chapter number one, verse number four. And, um, and let's just catch up to where we were talking about what the apostle Paul wanted to, uh, for this uh, young man. He wanted him to go and to set things in order uh, here in this place. And he said in verse four, Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, uh, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And this is very important business. I've thought a lot about ordaining and laying on of hands here lately and still trying to uh, study through all that that is and means and should mean uh, to you and I. Uh, but uh, it's obviously something that was utmost importance that he wanted uh, him to do in order to get things under control, in order to order things in that city. Uh, he wanted him to ordain these elders. And so uh, not just find you a warm body, but he had a particular uh, set of qualifications for these elders, right? Now we know that elder is used interchangeably in the scriptures with bishop and pastor. Uh, to, in my opinion now, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, controversy in some circles over this, I believe that's referencing the same office. And a bishop and an elder and a pastor are the same thing. And uh, so um, uh, that's what I believe. And so what he's wanting in verse number four, I want you to go into every city and I want you to ordain elders. Every man needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. I need a pastor. I still call him my pastor. Uh, Brother Jeff Clemens is my pastor. And if I get out of order, you ought to give him a call. See if he'll jump on me. Don't mess over there going on. No. Brother Jeff's my pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. Right? A gift from God's heart. Somebody loves you. Preach to you. And watch for your soul. Pray for you. And uh, so that was obviously the most important thing that he wanted done. He didn't want buildings necessarily uh, to be built. He didn't start out. He started out with the pastor. And he started out with what that pastor should be. And I think this is a lot of problems that we have in our day. I don't think many 
that believe the Bible have too many problems with pastoral authority. A lot of times they just have a problem with who we've ordained as a pastor sometimes and how they've conducted themselves. It's hard to uh, have a lot of confidence sometimes and you expect people to forgive and you preach to them that they should forgive and you got people that pastor and preach the Bible who won't forgive people. Come on now, don't die off on me. And uh, a lot of the times the pew, uh, the man of God gets an uh, opportunity. But a lot of times the problems are not in the pew, they're in the pulpits. Right? That's why we shouldn't lay hands subtly on any man. If any man be blameless, that's very important to maintain that. It's very important that I maintain that. I, see, I'm not under the persuasion that this is just something before I'm ordained. I must maintain uh, 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 this uh, same qualifications. I must maintain those. And I need your help to do so. I do. I need the church to help me uh, that I can continue. And uh, uh, I know many do. Many deacons help their pastor. And uh, if you see, I've heard many stories and uh, uh, watching out for the pastor to make sure that he's blameless. And so we have things set up like, you know, I wouldn't counsel alone with a woman. Right? And if you were to see that, somebody needs to come to me and say, hey, brother boy, you're not a good idea. Right? What's going on here? Surely you wouldn't do this on purpose. You know, and, and, and those kind of things. I need the help of the church to maintain uh, 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 these things. And I would be blameless. And uh, so a lot of times it's so important because you see people fall by the way because there's men in positions of authority that should not be there. Right? And so a lot of people, and this is not an excuse to lose confidence in God and His church, but it's unfortunate the fact that men that have been in the pulpits have acted and carried themselves in such a way as caused people to fall out with the church. It's just happened. I don't excuse that. I don't think that's right for anybody to turn on God's church because of what any man does. But I certainly understand it. And so it's vital as a pastor that I remain uh, under these qualifications here and that I have help with those from the church to uh, bear me up uh, in these uh, various areas. Uh, The husband of one wife, uh, I couldn't do any better anyway, so hopefully Amber will keep me and we'll be all right. So you exhort her to stay with me, okay? Somebody tell her what a good fellow I am. Remind her, lie to her real good, okay? No, blameless, that's important. That's not, that's not sinless. If I do something wrong, church, I don't believe in unquestioning loyalty to, to a man. I don't believe that. I'm, I'm not above correction. I'm not above being wrong. And there's a right way to do it. The Bible says to entreat him as a father, right? Rebuke not the elder. And not nor should you receive an accusation against an elder, but by two or three witnesses, if you want to believe your King James Bible, Right? But there's a right way. You come to the man of God and please uh, uh, don't ever feel in this church like you're going to look like some kind of complainer or look like anything else. I need to know when I do things wrong. I need that. I need that. There's a right way to do it in, in, in respect for the office. But the pastor's not above uh, correction. He's just not. I can get wrong. And I need the church's help. I need those uh, surrounding me that, to help me to see things that I'm not seeing. I've, I've, I've done certain things already in two years where I've done a certain little thing and I didn't realize that maybe it hurt somebody by the way I approached that. And somebody said, hey, did you think about this? And I thought, my goodness, I didn't even think about that. If they wouldn't have told me, I would have never known that I had hurt that person. Thank God for you doing that. Thank God for you doing that. 
I need that. I tell me and Brother Reed talk about it all the time. I need Brother Reed come to me and tell me. Now, Brother Clint, I know these people. Uh, you might want to be careful. He told me one thing uh, in the first year that I was here that's helped me, I think, more than anything over the past. And, and it's not easy to do, is it, Brother Reed? To do, because you love me. But uh, he, 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 he does that because he loves me. I need that from all of you to come to me. There's a right way to do it. I joke about this, but Brother Reed's not the complaint department. I make a joke about that, right? I, that, I should get those. Come to me when, when, when things go wrong. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with you if you say, now preacher, you said this, and I heard this in your message, and respectfully, sir, I'd like to say I've seen this in the scripture. Maybe you may, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody okay? Nothing wrong with that. I'm fine with that. I need it from you. All right, so uh, uh, this cause, and if the creed, I want to ordain elders, they need to be blameless. See, I can't be blameless. I must, that's not sinless. That's me making an attempt to correct anything, any, any kind of wrong behavior in my life. I don't have any unconfessed sin, any unrepentant sin, and I don't have any divisions or problems with people that I've refused to deal with. I got to have, I got to have that to remain blameless. I take this serious. It's serious business here. And so, man must be blameless, must be a husband of one wife. He must have faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless. Boy, he says it again, doesn't he? As the steward of God, not self-willed. I can't do what I want to do, right? Do what God wants us to do. Not soon angry, not given to wine. No striker. Not given to filthy lucre. I take this so serious. I know a man, I, I, he's dead now. In the first church I was in, I know a man who went and I'm not trying to argue with anybody and I really don't want to hear about it later on. I've had enough to deal about it if you disagree with this. But um, he, he was trying to get several friends of mine to go in with him and ordain a bunch of men and lay hands on them that had been divorced and remarried. Some of them several times. And my pastor friend, the two of them I know of, said, look, no, I can't do that. I don't believe that's right. I don't believe that's biblical to do. And refused to do that. And that man did that. And you would not believe what happened to that man and how, 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 uh, and, and I don't care what anybody said. And they said, well, God's not, uh, God's not judging our sin anymore. Judgment begins at the house of God. And the Bible says, uh, for we are all, but none of us are without chastisement. What is, what, how can God chasten us if he doesn't judge us for what we do wrong when we're down here upon the earth? It helps some people to read a Bible and quit reading books. <laughs> Man, get out of them books and read your Bible. God's not judging his people. Goodness, come on now. And that man went through and did that anyway, and he ended up living with a bag on his side, and he didn't live but about six months after he did that ordination. I don't believe in fooling around with God's business. I don't think, I don't think I, I, and you say, well, my God wouldn't do that. You, you ought to check again. I think he would. I don't think you ought to go around ordaining men that are not qualified to be in the ministry. Now, I'm not going to argue the point of you being the husband of one wife. I'm just not in the mood to deal with it. But, uh, um, but there's a, a whole bunch of other ones people leave off. Having faithful children. A bishop must be blameless. A steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine. I know people still pastoring that are, that are drunkards. Open admitted drunkards. Pastoring Baptist churches. You're disqualified. 
No striker. Not given to filthy lucre. But here's how he should be. Why? Because if you're going to get up and stand up and rebuke a bunch of Christians, then you ought to have to be able to do so with some authority and not be guilty of living the same way they are. Right? I don't want to hear from a man that preach the Bible to me and tell me to live holy who's not trying to live holy for God. Do you? He's, he's, look, this is important. Go through because when I'm going to set some things in order and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rebuke some people and I'm going to convince the gainsayers, I'm going to correct this unsound doctrine and I'm going to use men to do it, but I want them to have a good testimony to be able to do so. And so they need to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. You say, well, you young people, it just feels like I can never measure up. How would you like to measure up to that? If a man cares about his position, he's doing everything he can to keep living up to that. There are many, uh, hold him, uh, see, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So here's this problem. We go quickly. Here's this problem now, because uh, everybody focuses in on the belly, the slow bellies, which is a true report of Cretan, naturally to Cretan people. Uh, but here's, here's his main problem. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. There's a lot of Judaizers, again, like he dealt with in Galatians and other places, that are trying to add to the gospel. Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing. And we talked this morning. Surely it can't be that easy. Oh, yes, it is. Believe on Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And uh, what they want to do is come back in and put people back under a law and try to put them back under circumcision and uh, uh, divers washings and different uh, observance of days and abstaining from meats. They were trying to put them back in the law. Now, it's not putting you under law to expect you to, to expect you to talk and live right. He's going to tell you that. So I'm going to correct these Judaizers, and I'm going to tell them, no, we're not, gonna, we're not under the law, uh, but we're under the uh, law to Christ, which is a love law uh, that we have, and uh, in, 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 uh, establishing that spirit of the law. And so, no, we're not under the law, but it's just as right in the dispensation of grace not to commit adultery as it was back in Exodus. Right? That hasn't changed. But what he's uh, addressing here is specifically some things, and he's going to lay it out. Uh, there's many uh, vain and unruly talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. And here's what he wants. He doesn't want you to buddy up with them and say, well, we all serve the same God. That's what they do today. Well, uh, if, they're not for, if they're not against us, then they're for us. We all, we all believe in the same God. No. No, not if you're telling me that after I get saved, I got to go back under the law. We're not the same. <laughs> Why would you want to go back under those weak and beggarly elements? And he's, Paul said, I'm afraid of you. You observe days and, and uh, all things are pure to the pure, right? Uh, he's going to say that here in just a moment. But uh, so he said, I want their mouths to be stopped. More dangerous than anything else in this world is mouths and what's getting preached from pulpits. We heard a testimony this morning of the various things he read and heard and how it confused salvation and 
those mouths need to be stopped. That's not okay. That's not right. I don't care who they are. Salvation is by grace through faith in a man whose name is Jesus. And anybody preaching anything else, let them be cut off and accursed. That's what the Bible said. They're not good people. They're, they're unruly and vain talkers, deceivers. Their mouths must be stopped. Now let me, let me turn with you just quickly because I'm going to stay in here for a little while and we won't get all of it done. Uh, but uh, I want to uh, uh, stay in here and uh, uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians, if you could please. Um, chapter number 6. I'm going to preach to us preachers in here just a minute. Is that okay if I do that? Amen. I'm going to preach to myself. I'm for pastoral authority, and I believe this church is. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Okay. But I also believe in the responsibility of preachers. That the, here's what Paul said. That the ministry be not blamed. Yes. Now read with me. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And I don't know why in fundamental churches we've given preachers a passage and a free pass to live however they want to and trample on people. I don't know where that come from, but it's wrong and it's ungodly. And if there's anybody that ought to be rebuked publicly, it ought to be preachers that won't live what they claim to believe and preach. Right? If he's going to hold me up to that high expectation of being blameless and a lover of hospitality, a lover of good man, just, holy, temperate, and he's going to set me up so that he can look at me and say, whose faith follow? Not whose person, but whose faith follow? Then it's certainly expected of a preacher to give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. He's not talking to church members in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Here's what we need to do, preachers, in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, hallelujah, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. God forgive me for complaining as a preacher. That's what the Lord expects out of me as a preacher. And that's difficult, but I'm glad the Lord let me see that this afternoon. Hey, that's, that's going to help my ministry, Brother E. I've read over that them verses I don't know how many times. So, Titus is dealing a little bit more with the, that side of the responsibility. But this is, this is a, what does he say? We're workers together with him. So, you help me and I help you and we mutual benefit together. 
And it's my job not to give offense in anything that this ministry be not blamed. So you think you've got a lot to do. You better pray for your preacher. Because <laughs> he's a little off sometimes. But I believe God will respond to prayer. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Keep praying for me. And I'm praying for you. Amen. And we'll love each other and get through the other side and see that blessed face, Brother Reed, we want to see. Well, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? Now, we probably ought to read that over and over and over and over again, preachers. Lord, help me with that. I mean that with everything in me. Holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught. Because I want him to stop these mouths and I want him to do that by exhortation and convincing the gainsayers. There's many, many that are unruly and vain talkers. Can I give you one that we'll begin to look at whose mouths must be stopped? They subvert whole houses. This word subvert means to overthrow from foundation, to overturn, to ruin, or to corrupt. People that are speaking unsound doctrine and that are adding to the gospel. The Bible says here they need their mouths to be stopped. And here's how we do that. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. They're pulling down a stronghold so we don't have to go slap them. Right? Come on, smile a little bit. We don't have to slam. Here's how we do it. We just keep preaching what's true. Right? God will honor that. Just keep preaching the truth. Keep standing for the truth. And it'll stop their mouths. Amen. So we'll just keep preaching what's right. I want to say what's right again is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Anybody get tired of hearing that? Now, let's slow down here just a little bit and look. So I want these men to be ordained. I obviously want them to be taught properly because I need them to, by sound doctrine, to exhort, but to also convince, right? Because there's many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. And here's one that uh, I think just really predominates, especially in the younger generation. They'll make a statement like this. It's all about Jesus. Well, I want to say amen to that. Now, follow me here. You hear a lot of people say, well, it's, all, it's just all about Jesus. The problem is me and you don't mean the same thing by that. What some people mean by it's all about Jesus is just means, well, we can just sin and live in open rebellion to God and it's just all about Jesus. Well, sure, it's all about Jesus, right? None of us would be saved. None of us would be born again. None of us would have hope of eternal life. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is all about Jesus. But you've got some responsibility and i got some responsibility to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Right? Not free uh, to just uh, uh, live uh, and yield. I'm not. I am not. I'm capable of it, but I am not. I am not given a passage and a, and freedom to yield my members any longer to right unrighteousness. Right? I'm supposed to live righteous and holy, save people. Right? So some people make those statements. They want to say, and it sounds so good. It sounds so wonderful to just say, oh, it's just all about Jesus. But if what they mean by that is that you don't have to deal with sin in your life, I disagree with them. That's not so. 
If what they mean is we're all a wreck and we're doing the best we can and there's no hope for any of us outside of Jesus, I'll say amen to that. But that is, a, that is a vain and unruly talker and a deceiver for somebody to try to tell you that it's okay for you to live ungodly. If you're saved, that's not okay, though all of us do. Doesn't excuse it. Right? Everybody okay? Their mouths must be stopped who, who ruin, who corrupt entire houses by this kind of vain speech. Now here's what he said, look in verse number 12, one of their own pagan prophets says this, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Lying's pretty easy, we come forth from the womb speaking lies. Now what he's saying here is, He's talking about the Cretan people and saying what is natural to Cretans is to live in that manner. To just as soon lies do anything else. They're evil beasts, which means they're uncontrolled in their nature. They have no understanding or no wisdom, and they make no attempt at trying to bridle themselves and trying to keep themselves under control. They just live as beasts. They live free to roam, and it's the survival of the fittest. They're evil beasts. And they have slow bellies. They're lazy people. They're, 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 uh, they're unsatisfied people. It's not talking about just gluttony. Uh, slow belly is, uh, they're never satisfied. They're always trying to satisfy themselves. They live for themselves. They're liars. They're, they're, they're evil beasts. And, and, and they, they have a complete tendency to be lazy. And when it comes to trying to control their behavior, they just live as they want to. They're unsatisfied. They can't be satisfied with, with anything. They're, just, they're, they're always going overboard in everything that they do. So while that may be true of the Cretan people, it should not be a good testimony of a saved Cretan man. Right? So what he's going to tell them, he's going to say, well, you know, those Americans, uh, they're pretty lazy, they're pretty idle, and they're pretty, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're selfish, and, they're, and they're, uh, uh, they're spoiled rotten, and they don't know all the things uh, other countries might say about Americans. That might be true about, some, about, about many Americans, but it ain't true about this American, because God saved me. Amen. Right? That's what he's getting at. So you rebuke them sharply and you tell those saved Christians that that is not a good testimony for a saved man to be, have a slow belly, to be a liar, and to be an evil beast. Rebuke them sharply. See, he wouldn't, he, I'm not saying that he's not also including lost Christians, but his primary concern is that there are saved Christians that are living this way. You believe, a, you believe a saved person can be a liar? You better believe they are sometimes. They'll look at you and lie right to your face. Don't be shocked by that. That's that old man in them. Their old man is right there. And them Christians, they're evil, slow belly, all those things you listed. Rebuke them sharply. Don't let them, if you love them, do not let them continue that way because that's bringing shame upon the cause of Christ. Rebuke them sharply. So, if it weren't possible for a saved man to do, he wouldn't be telling a preacher to go down there and rebuke him for it, would it? So, if it was just all about Jesus, wouldn't he go down there and say, 
You know what? Don't worry about all that. You don't have to live holy. You don't have to worry about, you know, lying. Everybody lies every now and then. You know, you know he would just say, hey, it's all about Jesus. Was that the message that Titus was given? Or did he say, rebuke them? Meaning, show them their error. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their sins. That's what he's saying. Rebuke them sharply. Got about just 10 minutes left. So one of their own prophets even is given a witness that the Cretans are this way. And here's what Paul said. Paul said he spent enough time there. I guess he'd know. Uh, this witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Now, can I say something here just quickly? We've been talking about preaching. How do you expect, if he said rebuke them, anybody want to take a guess at how many Christians could have been alive at that time? Even how many saved ones that got converted? So what was he supposed to do? Was Titus supposed to take the time to go to every single house privately and tell every single one of them and figure out all the details and find out and go through this and go through that and get a witness and go, there and go or was he supposed to, maybe he's talking about preaching right here. Does that sound more appropriate? If I'm going to address, if, if I'm going to reach them, I, I don't think I could do it by going to every single uh, 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 Tennessean and make it through in any time period or go to every American. What he's saying is, is to preach and rebuke them sharply by preaching. That's how you reach them. This witness is true. Rebuke them, plural, that they may be sound in the faith. So he's not talking about just one particular church, is he? You know, he's writing to like Corinth or he's writing to the church. He's not talking to the church. He's not talking about, he's talking to, he's talking about a place. He's talking about Crete. He's talking about an island. And he says, I want you to go to every single city and I want you to ordain people. And here's the message that I won't preach. Stop, rebuke them sharply, repent and turn around and be sound in the faith. Right? It's the only way you can do it. Bible preaching. See, so... What if there's some Christians that weren't that way? Well, they got the amen through that message. Do you, do you have an idea that maybe there were some people on that island that weren't that way? I'm sure there probably was one or two. Right? So when, somebody, when a man of God gets up and preaches, I'm not going to say, well, is he jabbing at me? or what? No, I'm just going to say, if it fits me, if the shoe fits me, I'm going to put it on. If not, I'm going to assume it's for somebody else, and I'm just going to pray. Right? Because you've got to reach them. It's hard to do. So he said, reach them. Rebuke them. So, can I say just another thing? I want you to go. I want you to date elders in every city. Here's the problem that we have. We have Judaizers in there. They're making a mess of things. They're speaking unsound doctrine, things that aren't true. They're ruining whole houses. They're removing people from the simplicity of the gospel. They're preaching things that are not so. They're hurting people. They're ruining them by their unsound doctrine. And we need to reach them. So what I want you to do is ordain elders in every city. And then from those churches and those pulpits, start rebuking them plural. And I want you to preach and rebuke them sharply. Now, here is something I, I thought about. I, didn't, I, I don't know, uh, but this is something that God showed the man of God, right? 
He showed them what their sins were and he revealed it to the people by the man of God, right? See, sometimes God will show the preacher things that he won't show you. And so you, it's a bewilderment to you about what's going on, but just trust God. God may have showed him something and he's, going to, and he's trying to preach to them, right? He said, here's the thing about those Cretans. This witness is true about them. I want you to rebuke them sharply. So, boy, I've got other verses in here. Not giving heed to Jewish fables. He's talking to saved people now, right? Quit listening to those, quit listening to that bunch preaching this. Don't give heed to those Jewish fables. Don't give heed to those commandments of men that turn from the truth. See, that's what unsound preaching does. It turns people from the truth. It's very serious. And so he, he deals with the unsound doctrine that's in the church, that's in the city, the area, in, in each city that's going on there. And he said, I want you to rebuke them sharply. Tell them to stop listening to that stuff because it's not right. All these commandments of men that turn from the truth stay in the word of God, church, right? They didn't have the canon of scriptures. We do. Verse number 15, of the pure, all things are pure, but of them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. That five minutes. So, after dealing with this Rejection of turn off what you're listening to. If you reject these teachings and these teachers that are teaching this stuff, turn that stuff off because it's turning you from the truth. Now he's going to give what the truth is. Now he talks about Jewish fables and he talks about commandments of men. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, and so much more you see the day approaching is not the commandment of men. That's the Bible. Right? What he's particularly dealing with, some people like to lump in, well, that's a commandment of man, that's your opinion. Well, you only can, only, only can know that by the Word of God, right? If it's in the Word, then it's not just a commandment of man to be rejected. And so he, he goes to him and he says, because here's what he's going to do and what Paul always runs into. Because Brother Oliver, we've talked about this so many times. It always looks like Paul's soft on sin. And he never was. He never was. Exalting Jesus as our only hope doesn't mean that Jesus is okay with our sin, right? Silly. But you have people out there teaching this stuff. And you would not believe independent fundamental Baptists uh, uh, that, that believe uh, that, it, that, that you can just get saved and you can sign a card. And then you can just go right back to fornication, right back to adultery, right back to smoking dope. You can never change, never do anything. You can be a pedophile and you can keep being a pedophile. As long as you sign that card, buddy, you can go to heaven when you die. Doesn't matter how you live. Don't go somewhere where going to people put you under bondage. If it's in bondage for you uh, to not show yourself to people, if it's in, if it's bondage for you to try to live holy, you got a lot more problems I can help you with. That's not bondage. Amen. And so they'll preach and teach that we're we're free. It's just all about Jesus. We're free from the law, and boy, we are free from the law. 
But that does not equal that I'm free to, to live in immorality. Right? But that's what they make it say. That I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace means that I can just sin any way I want to because I'm saved. That's, that's just not so. God has some expectations for us, right, in the scriptures. It, it's sad that, you're, that, that a man preaching, he's kind of cautious of having to say this kind of stuff. It's so prevalent that we're in the minority to believe that God expects us to live right. That's pitiful. Boy, I wish we could go to so many different places that would... I'll just give you these. We're, I've, used, I've got two minutes. Galatians 5, 1 through 13. Romans 6, 18 through 22. And just for instance, 1 Peter 2, 16 through 19. And so he deals with that. He said, under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled, unbelieving is nothing pure. So don't take it out of context and try to apply it to things that are in the scripture. He's specifically dealing with things that are not. Pure, all things are pure. He's dealing with meats and washings and observings of day, Jewish fables, commandments of men that aren't in the word of God, that men, you know, created, those kinds of things. Don't put the wrong stuff in there. You know, you, you can't say, well, uh, um, uh, it's okay uh, for me uh, to, to, to commit adultery because I'm not under the law, right? Under the pure, all things are pure, especially with eating meats, right? All things are pure. I can eat, I can eat a steak. I can eat anything I want to. If I give thanks for it, right? That's what the Bible said. Amen. Just don't cause your brother to stumble. It'll be a stumbling block. But to the unbelieving, which would be these Judaizers, these Jewish folks here, Nothing's pure. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled, let alone the meat they're trying to consume. So verse number 16, look at what else he says about these folks. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. He's not talking about the Christians here, in my opinion. He's talking about these Jewish fables and these Jews that were trying to put them back under the law. These unsaved Jewish people that were perverting the gospel, they profess that they know God, right? Did the Jews not profess that they had the corner market on God? And they profess that they know him, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Even the good they tried to do, God rejected it. Right? They're disobedient to the gospel. The gospel is to be obeyed. Right? You obey from the heart that form of doctrine delivered unto you. Believe on you. But that wasn't enough for them. They wanted to throw in... And so in their, in their works, they denied him. If I said to you uh, that, yeah, uh, uh, it's good to believe on Jesus, but you've also had to be circumcised or you're not saved, would my works not deny him? Yes. Would that not deny his complete and full satisfaction? Amen. That crowd's, they're, they're abominable, right? They're detestable. Disobedient and to every good work reprobate. Well, that's not a good testimony for any Christian, is it? To perfect, how many how many people uh, didn't want to go to church because they 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 uh, they went to school with people that professed to know God, but in works they denied Him and they were uh, disobedient. Uh, uh, those kind of things certainly do affect. Uh, though I don't think that's in context what we're dealing with here. Uh, that certainly is something that needs to be mentioned. That's why it's important for you and I to live right now. We're done tonight. 
Um, and we'll start going into dealing with because mainly that's for that preacher. He wants to he wants to straighten out the doctrine, get the doctrine correct, and 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 that way, uh, if you can get people, is, am, I, am I telling it right, Cyrus? Uh, when you, when you get people that are just they're just all over you, and you're hearing stuff from just everywhere. Everybody's got an opinion, but then God just opens the Word of God to you, just clears everything up, doesn't it? There's no more confusion in God. God's not the author of confusion, right? Salvation's not confusing, right? Neither is living for God. It's not confusing to live for God. It's just difficult to deny yourself. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yes. I'm just appreciating the Lord's goodness tonight. I know that wasn't very, not very deep, but I, 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 we'll, we'll get into, as we move forward, uh, we'll get into now that he's dealt with the preacher, which, he, which rightfully so. Get that preacher, and I want him to be ordained, now, this is how way I want him to live. This way I want him to conduct himself. It's the kind of man I want him to be. And I want you to preach sound doctrine. That nothing, nothing I could do would help you more than praying for you and just preaching the truth. Amen. Right? Amen. I might not be there at the hospital when you get sick. But boy, if I'll just preach to your family the truth, and I should be there, by the way. But if I wasn't, if I'm praying for you and preaching the truth to you, no greater kindness could a man do for what Spurgeon said, right? Amen. So he establishes that out, and then he's going to go in when we get when we get time to do it. Uh, some other day, if the Lord doesn't come, uh, he'll go in. He'll start to say uh, what the next thing that I want to set in order and make make sure we have things in order. Um, uh, we don't we don't start from the bottom up. We don't get these young people uh, to start. What we do is we get the aged ones to start. And so he's going to deal with that in the church there. So that's going to be good stuff, isn't it? We all have a place to serve in this church. You're important. You've got responsibilities. And you need to pray for me because, because the devil's doing everything he can to knock me out of mine. And he's doing that way to you. He's trying to knock you off your axis, so to speak. And, uh, and, and, and if anybody didn't get time, read that that I posted. I don't agree with every single thing Spurgeon said. But what I posted into our little group in dealing with sin was helpful to me. That helped me. When you came to God because you couldn't deal with your sins, and he's going to deal with sin now, perfecting holiness. You, what, what did you do but just cast yourself upon Jesus and say, be merciful to me, a sinner. That, that, that does not change after you get saved. Your only hope to deal with sin as a saved man is to go right back to the cross and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That, doesn't that help? Well, I thought I, I have to do this equation. And, and if, I, if I pray 45 minutes, and then I pray for this one 20 minutes, and then if I'm praying, and then you feel like if you didn't do X, Y, and Z, the calculation didn't come out right, and then you didn't overcome. So you get up tomorrow and say, well, if I'll just pray an hour, and I'll pray an hour and a half, and I'm for praying two hours if you do it. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying we beat ourselves down. We didn't do and the one thing we're supposed to do is just go down to the foot of the, the cross and cry out to Jesus for help. I like it, Brother E. Come on, get us a song. I know it seems a little... I'm going to set in order. What do you want to do? Set in order the things that are warning. There's a lot of confusion out there this day. You don't know what to believe. You can always trust this book. You can trust this Bible. Young ladies... You can always trust this book. When you get in that place that you don't feel like you can trust anybody else, you can trust this book. 
I'm not going to run tonight. I'll save it for after my diet starts. Lord, we love you tonight. Thanks for helping us. We're a poor, needy people beyond any shadow of a doubt. I'm a weak man, Lord, a lot weaker than I ever knew. And I need your help, Lord, to be the pastor that you want me to be. So help me to be that for your people, to love them as they are my own. They are bought with a price and they belong to you. Help me to love them that way. Help them to love me. and Help them to love one another. For that's the fulfilling of the law. We love you because you first loved us. For being here tonight lost without Jesus. I pray, Lord, you'd help them to see him. In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet just a moment. I've been sitting a moment. If you need to come, you come on. Let Brother E going to sing.